Your state. Your team. Your show. This is Sports Nightly. Adrian goes under center this time. Mills, the deep back. Turn and toss it to Mills off the left side. He's to the 10. Stiff arms a man. Five dives. He is in. Touchdown, Nebraska. Diedrich Mills finds the end zone from 14 yards out. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. Heard a glorious sound today throughout the neighborhood. Several lawns were being mowed. Oh, what a sign that the spring is here, right? You hear those lawnmowers cranked up and going? Love that stuff. Wasn't mine. You mowed your yard yet, Ben? No. In fact, my grass is still quite brown, and I'm not happy about it. So, really, the, the, so I happen to live in the worst spot in the neighborhood next to the dude who has Augusta National <laughs> grass every year. Like, his is already green and, like, flourishing, and mine looks like, you know, the backyard of the Sandlot's house. Has <laughs> he like, mowed it? Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure he has. I haven't seen him out there yet. But, yeah, during during prime mowing season, he probably mows three times a week. Wow. Well, no, you, if you mow it now, you're going to knock that a lot of that top layer off, and it will green up in a hurry. I'm, I'm a little hesitant to do it. Just because I know once you st- once you start you're you're in you know yeah. once you once you t- dip that toe in you're not there's no turning back it's going to be start to mow every five six days uh, particularly with the, yeah a lot of the rain that we've had but I do love hearing that sound yeah but here's the deal is you know for a lot of us lawn care people like mowing has been a chore it might be kind of one of those things that are like an escape now. You know, we, we can get out of the house and True. go do something that requires, you know, some type of activity, you know, moving around and getting out of the house. So you mean I got to take my sweats off and get off the couch? Is that what you're saying? Well, you, can, you can put basketball shorts on and go mow. <laughs> <laughs> but I yeah, getting off the couch pair. is a requirement. I have a ratty old pair of shorts that I wear when I mow and it drives my wife crazy. Same She's pair. Like, get rid of those pair. I'm like, no, those are my mowing shorts. I've got like. I've got like all my old baseball like undershirts, you know, the ones that you get. Yeah. Like I've I've got all those, and yeah, it's you know the, as soon as, it's one of those deals where like as soon as you like pull it out of the drawer, you go mowing day. You know, you you <laughs> yeah. grab your mowing mowing clothes, and then of course you go put on your white shoes that are now green and uh, <laughs> and let her rip. Oh, boy. Well, we're glad you're with us here on a Tuesday night on Sports Island. The sun has, has popped out here in Lincoln, and I'm sure it has up in Omaha as well. It's good to feel this. We are officially into the spring part of the calendar. First day of spring was over the weekend, so we are officially out of winter into spring. I know that kind of gets lost in the shuffle of all the things that have been happening around the world for a while. We have a busy hour coming up here. The head football coach, Scott Frost, is going to join us in a couple of minutes. I have not heard from the head coach since that press conference after the very first practice. So it's been a little bit over two weeks since he has talked about what I'm sure has been a crazy time for him as well. We had Will Bolt on last night. Scott Frost headed your way here in a couple of minutes. Huskers did, as we mentioned last night on the program, pick up a commitment late last week. Nate Klaus from Husker Online is going to be here to tell us more about the young man, Christopher Paul, who committed to the Big Red last week and kind of what he's hearing about the recruiting process, not only with the Huskers, but around the country because everybody's under kind of a quarantine with no on-campus visits, no official visits off-campus. So it's it's a bit of a dead period for these coaches because everybody's in this holding pattern with what we're dealing with uh, with the coronavirus. But we'll get the latest from Nate Klaus coming up later on in the hour as well. Tim mentioned this in the ticker more news from the NFL. Boy, the NFL is just the gift that keeps on giving to all of us that are starved for some kind of news, and that was the Panthers parting ways with Cam Newton. And, boy, Ben, if you rewound the clock three or four years ago when the Panthers were in the Super Bowl and Cam Newton was Superman and everybody said this is the next era parent, which that's obviously gone now to Patrick Mahomes and, and also um, Lamar Jackson. But here's Cam Newton now out on the free agent market how how big a deal is he still or has really has that kind of soured in the last several years he's he's been a bit of a pouty figure in the nfl i think he's been a bit of a disruption for the panthers at some point in time how how hot do you think the temperature will be out there for teams to line up to get go, go get cam newton 
Yeah, I mean, I think he certainly is a is a figurehead of the NFL. Whether that's a direct indictment of his play on the field or not, I would lean more towards not. But he's a very marketable player. He's got that million dollar smile. You know, he's got the 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 flash, the flair, the cockiness, the arrogance, the personality. Um, and you know, really, what this last week to two weeks has done for me as a Chiefs fan is just appreciate even more what we have in Patrick Mahomes I mean you think about Greg the the situations at quarterback around the National Football League and and how many guys have been under center or in the shotgun starting for NFL franchises that that have lost their jobs or jobs are seriously in jeopardy you know guys like Cam Newton guys like Jameis Winston and you know it's the list just goes on and on of instability at quarterback and it makes you look at you know some of these younger guys that that maybe weren't appreciated as much and I'm talking about guys like you know just thinking about off the top of my head Josh Allen at Buffalo you know there wasn't a lot of uh, appreciation for him or you know didn't seem like people were real thrilled about you know what he brought to the table and now you're looking at you know, the contract and stability that he's given Buffalo. How about Ryan Tannehill? You know, there there were a lot of people that wrote his career off, and then the, ten, the Tennessee Titans pull him off the bench to replace Marcus Mariota, who then fits that other category that I was telling you about, you know, at the very beginning. These guys that have been, you know, at we, what we thought were going to be stars that are finding new homes. And, you know, the instability at quarterback in a quarterback-driven league is is truly you know fascinating to see and we're starting to see the change of guard in a lot of a lot of places as well obviously Tom Brady moving to Tampa Bay and Philip Rivers going to Indianapolis you know this truly is an interesting time to be an NFL fan especially at the quarterback position and that makes me so glad that the Chiefs have have Patrick Mahomes now there's one part to this equation that we haven't yet talked about, and that's the NFL draft because there are some really good quarterbacks coming in. Uh, one of the better classes in recent memory, you know, with guys like Tua, obviously Burrow and Herbert. You know, there's a lot of guys that Jalen Hurts that are going to try and come in here and and take over one of these franchises. But it really is an interesting time right now in the National Football League to be a quarterback and. You know, Cam Newton finding a new destination. He'll land somewhere. Uh, I have zero doubt about that just because of, again, what I've been saying. Everybody's kind of looking for the answer. But it's, it was it was hard to watch. Cam Newton was hard to watch um, with the injuries, with just – it just was clunky. It just was not working in Carolina. Um, and it makes you feel bad for a guy like McCaffrey because, you know, he, he was lining up next to Kyle Allen and – um, it, it just—it was just clear that that combination wasn't going to work, and I think Carolina has parts. You know, they've got DJ Moore from Maryland, who I thought is turning into a really nice player. They've—they really like Curtis Samuel at receiver too, uh, but losing Greg Olson is going to hurt them badly. And obviously, defensively, you know, you lose the heartbeat of your team to retirement and Luke Keekley. You know, it's really going to make things difficult for that franchise, but. Um, Cam Newton will land on his feet. It's certainly interesting to see how this thing is played out with him. You know, basically Carolina going and saying uh, we're gonna we're gonna find somebody else without without making a move on Cam first. Uh, it's it's been it's been wild to watch. This has been a crazy free agency in general. But yeah, to see Cam Newton get cut today was uh, writing on the wall after the Teddy Bridgewater signing. But again. Um, the overarching thing he, theme here is the current situations with NFL quarterbacks are are one of mystery, and you know it would be interesting to put together a power ranking. You know, outside of your top three to five, you know, franchises. In my opinion, Greg, you could take seven from twenty-seven to twenty-seven and mix them up and draw one out of a hat, and there's probably not too much difference between those guys, which is crazy to think about because of how much quarterbacks mean to an NFL team yeah and you think about the the uh, age of some of the premier ones are guys that are getting up there and you mentioned Brady Breeze is not a young guy anymore uh, Aaron Rodgers is not a young player anymore I mean these guys are toward the back end of their career and yet they're still kind of the premier guys in the National Football League there is a betting chart already out on where Newton will end up and the number one 
the highest rated group that they think the best odds of where he will land are the Chargers because they have a gap with with Rivers going, although they've kind of already said Tyrod Taylor's their guy. But Tyrod Taylor has been the guy a couple of different times and then being beat out after about the game week three in the NFL. The Dolphins are number two in the betting odds from Cam Taylor. And Tim Curran's Patriots are number three on the betting scale right now. So I don't know how much that excites Tim that uh, Cam Newton. Are you, would, would you be, you're a Patriots guy or are you not a Patriots guy, just a Brady guy? I need to get this. No, I, up. I'm a Patriots guy. I mean, I have to be at this point, um, but I am a Brady guy as well. I, I want Brady to see some success in Tampa, but in terms of, am I excited for Cam Newton? Uh, the answer is a resounding no. Um, and not, not that I, I think Cam Newton is talented, but as Ben kind of alluded to, I think he's kind of shot in terms of injuries. I mean, that physical toll of, of carrying the football and getting banged up, you know, he, he was not himself in the limited amount of playing time he had last season. So uh, I'm also not very excited. I mean, who the Patriots have on the roster right now, like Brian Hoyer? I mean, I'm, Brian not, Hoyer. I'm not really sure what the deal is at quarterback. I suppose he'd be an improvement over that, but uh, it's it's probably going to be a lost season at this point. And, and, and Ben mentioned the draft. The Patriots are not the kind of organization that's going to make a blockbuster trade to get up high enough to get any of those guys you threw out there, Ben, and Burrow to a tug of Viola or the Herbert from Oregon. I, that's not the Patriots' MO. They don't do that. They're not going to do that. And you mentioned Terod Taylor at San Diego. Terod Taylor's the guy until whenever the NFL draft happens. Then he's back to the back seat. <laughs> so, you know, like you're driving with somebody. You're driving with Lane Grindle from Omaha to Lincoln, and he gets tired and you pull over. You know, that he's right back. It. He, he's right back in the driver's seat as soon as you get dropped off at the house. And you know what I mean? Like he's just he's literally just keeping the seat warm for whatever rookie goes to uh, to Los Angeles. But yeah, it's just it's just the way that it's going to work. It's just amazing how fast the star of Cam Newton fell. Right. I mean, because he was the next super, superstar. signed a bunch of endorsement deals just a couple of years ago after playing in the Super Bowl. He was so pouty after the Super Bowl that turned off a lot of people the way he handled himself when they lost that Super Bowl game. But now he's been discarded by an organization. It's just wild how quickly it fell. Uh, well, and I'll give you two more names of guys that aren't quite there yet, but I'm going to ask you how you feel about them right now compared to where you did 365 days ago from right now. Jared Goff? I mean, this is a guy that led the Rams yeah. to the Super Bowl. I'm not giving up on Goff yet. I watched something yesterday that said he threw 20-something interceptions, but they compiled a list of all of his dropped interceptions, and his total should have been like 40 of, <laughs> of, of guys that just dropped picks. And I watched every single one of them. And not all of them were you know, obvious drops. There, there were, would have been really tough plays. But still, they make even a couple more of those catches. Um, and I, I don't know. you know, Goff without Gurley and Brandon Cooks is on the market. I don't, you know, I thought Robert Woods, he's fine, but he's, you know, he's he's good because of what they have around him. And how about Baker Mayfield, Greg? I yeah. mean, this is a guy right. that was supposed to take Cleveland into the sunset. And, and, and what about them and their Super Bowl odds? This was your second adopted team. You know, <laughs> right. this, this, they, they bring in ODB. They have Jarvis Landry, David and Joku. Um, they, they Dorsey takes the risk of bringing back Kareem Hunt. They have Nick Chubb, who's one of the brightest running backs in the NFL. The writing was on the wall for them. That, that offense should have been the real deal. How do you feel about Baker Mayfield right now? So it's like yeah. you've got two guys that in Goff that just led a team to a Super Bowl and then looked utterly horrible, to be honest with you, last year. Cam Newton was even worse. I mean, Kyle Allen wasn't great for Carolina, but he was better than what Cam Newton was giving them. And then Baker Mayfield, goodness gracious! I mean that I don't know what. I mean, there's just too many too many reality stars in the kitchen, and that that's ironic because <laughs> Freddie Kitchens. But you know it's it's just a mess. You know, just an just a complete and utter mess. And then how about in Pittsburgh? You know what what's their situation at quarterback? Is, is that, are you really going to roll out there what you did the last nine weeks of the year? So. I am really, really glad Patrick Mahomes is a Kansas City Chief, and we don't have to worry about this. Um, as long as that dude's not out, you know, doing anything to jeopardize playing in celebrity softball games or playing basketball, doing any of that stuff that could get him hurt. I am really glad 
that he is Kansas City's quarterback because there are a lot of NFL franchises that are looking in the couch cushions for a shiny penny that um, <laughs> they, all, all they might find is a hardened Skittle. No doubt. All right, uh, that's what we have here coming on the program. Again, head coach Scott Frost coming up after the break. We'll also talk to Nate Klaus from Husker Online later on in the hour to get the latest on Husker football recruiting after they picked up the commitment late last week from Christopher Paul. Should be spring break week at UNL. Husker football team should be about halfway through their spring practices, but as we know, the world came to a screeching halt a couple of weeks ago, and then meant the end of spring ball for now for Husker football. But we were able to lasso the head coach. Come on to talk a little bit about what's his last couple of weeks have been like. Coach, appreciate you giving us some time tonight. How have you processed the last couple of weeks? Oh, we're like everybody else. We're we're frustrated and concerned and a little bit bored and anxious to get back to a normal state of affairs and in our regular lives. But um, everybody's safety and well-being is the most important, and we're dealing it like with it like everybody else. Did you get a chance to, to meet with the team before you kind of broke all this off, or what, how did it kind of end there before classes got shut down? Yeah, we met with the team. We actually went in the indoor and spread everybody out to kind of obey the social distancing order and, and kind of gave our guys a tentative game plan and things seems to be changing every 24 or 48 hours. But um, hopefully at some point we're going to get the, the guys back on campus. Um, you know, their safety and, and health is our number one concern and um, getting them back so they can at least focus on academics and making sure their grades are right with online classes is important. Uh, so we're kind of in a holding pattern right now, but trying to communicate with our kids as well as we can and, and keeping them happy and healthy. Obviously, you want them to, to stay in shape and try to work out. I think I mean, but even, even finding an open gym right now is darn near impossible, isn't it? Yeah, I think for most student-athletes around the country, lifting weights is tough. Unless you have access to a home gym or, or something, uh, there's just not – places open where you can congregate and do those types of things. Uh, I know talking to a lot of guys, they're still able to go out on a field by themselves and run and anything uh, our guys can be doing right now to try not to lose the gains that they've made is important. Uh, so we're communicating that with our guys. We kind of give them a, a workout schedule that if they're able to follow while they're home, then uh, it's going to benefit them. But uh, we're, like I said, we're kind of in a holding pattern like everybody, and, and our first priority is uh, the health of uh, everybody involved. How about your coaches? Are, are you guys staying in touch with each Are you having daily meetings? Are you Zooming with each other from, from local uh, different locations? What, what's the deal with the staff right now? Yeah, actually, we just got off a Zoom call. We have one every day. Uh, we're really trying to turn our attention to recruiting. There's going to be a, a big hiccup in this recruiting cycle with uh, without being able to have kids unofficially on campus, and we're trying to figure out if we're going to lose our entire spring recruiting where our coaches go out or not. So uh, we're burning up the phone lines and, and trying to talk to 21 recruits about uh, the great things about Nebraska and trying to get ahead on uh, recruits in the 22 and 23 class. What uh, I mean, what kind of communication have you had with with campus leaders, with uh, the the with Ted Carter, the school president, Ronnie Green, the chancellor? How much communication have you had with them? And, and I mean, the, obviously, those are tough decisions that those guys have had to make with all campus wide uh, student body as well. What, what what communication have you had with them? You know, Gray, I try to communicate with those those guys as much as I can, and they've been great. Um, I know they have more important things to worry about than than Nebraska football team, but it helps me to get some information to know how to lead the football program. Um, they've all been great. I, I get, I've talked to uh, Governor Ricketts, talked to Ronnie Green this morning, been talking to Bill Moose, um, trying to get an idea of what we should be doing and how we can go about trying to help and attack this. And they've all been great. I, I do have to, you know, I, you know how – much Nebraska means to me, but talking to everybody, especially Governor Ricketts, about how much better shape we're in in the state of Nebraska than uh, some of the other places around the country, and it really has to do with our leadership and those guys and, and also just the quality of people in Nebraska. I, I think Nebraskans are uh, following orders better than most people, staying away from each other, and 
And I, I think really the key to that is that the better we can do with those things right now, the, the quicker hopefully we can get back to a normal uh, type of lifestyle. And uh, I'm like I always am, I'm really proud of Nebraska and, and the leadership and the people here and how we're handling this. We're visiting with head football coach Scott Frost here on Sports Nightly on the Husker Sports Network. I know it pained Bill Moose last week, Coach, to, to announce that the spring game had been canceled. I think he knows, and I know you're well aware of, that the spring game is, in, for a lot of our fans across the state, the only time they can get in the stadium and, and watch their beloved Cornhuskers play. I know that, was, that had to be a tough pill to swallow to realize that that game was going to go away. It is, uh, but it's a sacrifice we're going to have to make. Um, I certainly would want to sacrifice a spring game for the sake of the season next year. Uh, I know our, our fans are more passionate than anybody around the country, and it's a tough time not being able to go to baseball games and softball games and track meets and not being able to go to a spring game. Um, but I know the people in Nebraska will overcome and find things to do right now, and, and hopefully we can get back to a point where the best fans in the country can enjoy watching the student-athletes again. Coach, how valuable in, in this this particular instance are guys like Dave Ellis and Dennis LeBlanc to try to keep the guys on it on the on the straight and narrow with their diet, with their academics? I mean, I'm, I'm, I would guess those guys become invaluable during a crisis like this. Well, Nebraska, we tell our recruits and our players all the time, Nebraska's always been about developing student-athletes and people better than anybody else. And we couldn't do it if we didn't have the best of the best. Uh, Dave Ellis and, and Dennis LeBlanc are the best at what they do in the country. Uh, we're leaving, leaning heavily on those guys right now. Uh, we have quite a few kids that are still here in town. Um, and it honestly, it's just probably safer for them here than going home uh, or they had rehab to do. Um, so we have quite a few kids still in town, uh, not a huge part of the team, but we need to be able to take care of those guys. So Dave's done a good job of making sure the meals continue. Our guys are uh, getting grab and goes so that they're not around each other to eat. Um, so we're social distancing, but still able to give them the nutrition they need. Uh, Dennis is going to be a huge part of what we're doing going forward because if classes are online, uh, he's going to have to continue with his team uh, tutoring and mentoring our student-athletes in the classroom, uh, probably remotely, uh, and making sure that we're staying ahead on our academics. So uh, those are two big roles, and, and we got the right guys to make sure that those wheels are turning. You only got the two practices in. Something that did happen before the shutdown was that your your graduated players had a chance to participate in a pro day, which I think will be a big help for them if they are going to get drafted or picked up as a free agent. How optimistic are you for some Huskers names to be called in the draft here in a couple of weeks? I'm really hopeful. Uh, there's some good kids that left here. Obviously some players that have made a lot of plays in Lincoln uh, for our school and our team. Um, I think there's been some good performances by those guys. We haven't had enough Nebraska, Nebraska kids drafted lately, and I think this year has a chance to kind of turn the tide of that. Um, I know Lamar Jackson's been doing well and uh, Daniels and the Davis brothers, they've all done some good things in this testing along with some other people. So uh, hopefully it's a good day on draft day for several of our guys. Very good. Well, Coach, last night here on Sports Island, we talked to another number seven Husker quarterback, and that was Eric Crouch, who learned about 10 days ago that he was going into the College Football Hall of Fame. Your thoughts about Eric getting that, that honor and, and him as a player in Nebraska? I'm just elated for Eric. Uh, obviously, he's one of the greatest Huskers and, and one of the best college football players of, of my era. Uh, on top of that, he's a good person and a really good friend. And anytime someone's able to get that kind of honor, uh, I don't think there's a bigger honor in college football than being a part of a, a Hall of Fame. So, uh, we're thrilled as a university that one of our student athletes is going into the Hall of Fame. But more than that, I'm just happy for Eric and can't wait to, to watch him be inducted. One of the more elusive quarterbacks in Husker history, wasn't he? I think he was probably the fastest, absolutely. Um, some of the big plays that he made, I don't know how many quarterbacks in Nebraska would have been able to make and um, just had a phenomenal career here. He represented the number seven well and, 
Um, definitely one of Nebraska's all-time greats, and I'm, I'm sure he can still run. <laughs> well, Coach, we appreciate it. Be safe. We hope everybody in your family is well. We hope all the coaches are doing well and the players, and you know, we'll get back to normalcy, I think, at some point in time. Everybody just has to be patient and hang in there. Absolutely. I, like I said, I think we need to do the best we can through this situation, and hopefully we get back to normal before long. Uh, you know, we're talking a lot about football problems. Um, there's bigger problems out there, people that aren't going to work, that aren't getting paychecks, that are laid off. Um, Nebraska people all need to rally around each other and be supportive uh, of people that are really in need, and, and we're looking for opportunities to do that as a football team too because i know there's people with bigger problems than what we have and uh hopefully we all do what we're supposed to do so so we can get back to normal delighted to be joined now by husker online's nate klaus there was some movement in the recruiting world for the huskers late last week with the commitment of christopher paul nate appreciate you joining us i hope you and your family are safe yeah we're doing well um and i hope everybody else is doing well it's it's been an interesting time. Um, I've gained a couple a couple new coworkers since I work from home. I've, I've got uh, my wife and uh, uh, my six year old and, and two year old daughter that are, are now all at home too. But uh, it's been good. Very good. Well, a little a few extra hands can't hurt. That's good. That's good stuff there. <laughs> yeah. Well, I we wanted to get get you on to talk about Christopher Paul, the young man that uh, made the announcement late last week that he wanted to be a Cornhusker. What's your thoughts on Christopher Paul? A uh, really good pickup for Nebraska. First of all, I think this is um, this is a guy. Not only does he play a position of need at that inside linebacker spot, uh, which they've done a really good job kind of turning that position group around here over the last couple of classes, uh, but this is a guy they they focus in on really really early. Um, they offered him about a year ago, and have been on him hard uh, ever since they offered it. Um, you know, he was able to take a visit in the fall, and, and I think, um, you know, that was a big deal. Uh, he, he loved the game day atmosphere, obviously, <clears throat> and everything that surrounds that. Um, but when I talked with him after he committed, he, he said, you know, I hear and I talk with um, Coach Chenander, uh, Coach Rude, Sean Beckton, Coach Frost. I talked with all those guys, at least one of them, every single day, and and sometimes talk to, to all of them every single day, and so um, that was that con- there was a, that constant communication. I think is what put Nebraska over the edge, and uh, he knew where he wanted to go, and decided to to go ahead and, and shut things down and commit. You, we just had the head coach on right before you, Nate. He talked about that because they can't practice right now, that they are trying to FaceTime with recruits. What kind of activity have you been able to discover that this staff has been doing here in the last week to 10 days? Yeah, and you know, I, I think it kind of goes back to what Chris Paul was telling me. It's just that, that communication. Uh, you know, I, I think a lot of the guys I've talked with um, have all mentioned that Nebraska is recruiting them as hard as anybody or harder than anybody and that they talk with the Husker coaches um, more than anybody else. And, and I think that, uh, you know, that due diligence uh, that Nebraska is doing and, and, and kind of checking up on everybody, making sure they're, they're doing all right. Um, but also just uh, that constant communication that you've got to have in the recruiting process to, to build those relationships. Uh, Nebraska is doing a tremendous job there. Uh, now I, I'm sure that, as this thing kind of progresses and, and, uh, you know, depending on how long the new dead period lasts, um, Nebraska will, will have to get a little creative as far as maybe doing like some virtual tours and and things like that. But um, in the meantime, excuse me, in the meantime, it's that uh, just that communication and that presence. I think that that is really starting to, uh, to make Nebraska stand out with a lot of recruits. Okay, where's this class at right now as far as numbers, and how much movement do you think we're going to get since the world is slow to a screeching halt here in the last couple of weeks? Yeah, you know, they're sitting with four commitments uh, for the 2021 class right now, uh, two offensive linemen and, and two inside linebackers. And so it's it's a pretty balanced class. Uh, and, they're, and to be honest with you, they're – they're farther ahead at this point in the game than, than they ever have been under Scott Frost. And, and really than Nebraska has been in probably the last four or five years, at least. Uh, and so I, I really like where they're sitting right now. And, and it's going to be interesting to see, you know, what the next month or two brings, because, 
You've had the cancellation of uh, the spring game. You've got the dead period right now. Um, and obviously, you know, this is a time of year where recruiting visits are huge. Um, and in the spring game, especially for Nebraska, you know, there's really very few other places across the country that, that can give a recruit, you know, a, a taste of what a game day atmosphere is like for a spring game. And so I think, I think that hurts. Um, but for the kids that have visited already, um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if we see some movement there and see some guys go ahead and, and pull the trigger to commit and, and kind of say, you know what, I, who knows what's going to happen, how, how things are going to be, you know, a month or two or three months from now. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and, and go where, where, uh, where I'm comfortable and where my heart's at. And, and, and I think that we could see, you know, four or five commits kind of continually string along here and, and happen one after the other here over the next month or two. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Nebraska is sitting at, you know, eight, eight commits, nine commits uh, before the summer starts. Wow. Well, we'll certainly keep our ear to the ground on that. We live here in our Husker bubble, Nate. Are you? Is there much activity around the country right now? I mean, a lot of kids are enjoying some spring breaks. Everybody's off school right now. Nobody's going to school anywhere. Are, are you seeing some of that activity around the country? Yeah, you know, it's been interesting. Um, there hasn't been a huge flurry of activity, uh, but, but probably, um, to be honest with you, the – the team that's been the most active in terms of gaining commitments has probably been Ohio state. Um, and, and we're all too familiar with the Buckeyes. Um, you know, they, they picked up a, a big transfer and Trey Sermon from Oklahoma. Um, and then they've gained, I think they've had like three or four commitments on the recruiting trail here, kind of come in here over the last week or so. And so they're probably the hottest team in the country right now in terms of, of recruiting and, and adding new talent to their uh, to their program. Yeah, I guess I'm not surprised. Nate, we appreciate it. Always enjoy the updates from you. Keep you and your family safe, and we'll certainly be uh, picking up your picking up your number a couple more times as we hear some more news about Husker football recruiting. You bet, Greg. Anytime. Thanks to be glad to for having me on. Let's get into it. The top ten. We think them up. We count them down. It's Top 10 Tuesdays on Sports Nightly. Well, we felt like it had to be kind of NFL-related. That's the one sport that seems to have a little normal seat to it right now with the free agency period going on. So we thought we would come up with a Top 10 moves in the NFL, whether it be a trade or a free agency. There's a lot to choose from here, wasn't there, Ben, on this deal? Yeah, I mean, I've got my 10, and then I've got one, two, three, four, five. So I've got seven on my honorable mention, so it was really hard to narrow down to 10 for sure. There, and it's, it's you know, a lot of different positions, but there's multiple of one position too. Tim, how about for you? Yeah, I think when I first started penciling it in, I thought to myself, this might be pretty difficult. But actually, there was quite a few moves, and a lot of these actually went kind of under the radar considering all the attention went to Tampa Tom. But uh, I guess we'll have more on that in a bit. Yeah, I know Tampa were, Tom. He he had his he had his Kleenex box next to him. Did Tim today as he watched the press conference from Tampa? It was very sweet. Are you going to buy one of those ugly Tampa Bay jerseys with Brady on the back and wear it to if, the studio, Tim? If they make a creamsicle one, I will. Um, but other than that, I think I'm going to pass. Okay. Now, before we start, I one thing I did, and you guys maybe didn't do this. If a guy re-signed with his own team, I didn't count that. Yeah, neither did I. Like Breeze. I didn't either. New team. Breeze did a new deal. I characterized NFL players on new teams. That's That was okay. my characteristic. Very good. All right, lead us off. Sure. Uh, I'll start. I've got a couple of this position on my list. Um, and he barely made it, to be honest, which sounds – it's going to sound weird to say because of, um, you know, his character, uh, marketability, very vocal, but – uh, was one of those guys that, that chose the Le'Veon Bell route of sitting out and didn't do himself any favors because of it, because his backup outperformed him um, while he was back in the lineup. And honestly, they didn't miss a beat while he was not on the team. I'm going Melvin Gordon here at number 10 going over to Denver. And it's, I saw a great tweet, and I wish I could give whoever put it out the props, but I just don't remember who it was. It wasn't me. Um, but – to go to say that Melvin Gordon went to a team in LA to where he was outperformed by an undrafted free agent <laughs> in Austin Eckler and he's going to a team in Denver 
where he's going to struggle to outperform an undrafted running back in Philip Lindsay. Um, when they ha- so it doesn't make a lot of sense from Denver's standpoint, if you ask me. But you know, Melvin Gordon is a guy that he's a good running back, but Austin Eckler outperformed him in in Los Angeles, and it's it's not entirely out of the realm for me to see Philip Lindsay outperform him in Denver. Okay. Yeah. Kim? All right, I'm up. Uh, my number 10, I've got Darius Slay going to the Eagles. He was traded from Detroit. I might have just picked him just so I could say big play Slay. I think it's one of the best nicknames in the NFL. Um, you know, he's a playmaking corner. He might not have the name recognition of a Richard Sherman, but um, I think any NFL team would kill for a guy like that. He had a couple picks last year, 13 passes defended, 36 solo tackles. So he's had some better statistical years than that, but uh, definitely Darius Slay is a guy who's going to improve the Eagles secondary. No doubt. I, I've got him a little bit later on, and I was kind of guilty where I put him on my list, but I, I think Slay's a heck of a player. All right, my number 10, uh, this is my first of my quarterbacks, and I've got Nick Foles here who signed the free agent deal with the Bears. Getting back together with Matt Nagy, who he was with when he, both were at the Chiefs. Foles obviously led the Eagles to the Super Bowl championship a couple of years ago. It didn't work out so well for him in Jacksonville with the injury, but now Foles goes to the Bears, and he's certainly going to push – Mitch Trubisky for that starting job. Uh, in fact, there may be some fans that really chime in that they'd rather see Foles than Trubisky, but it'll be interesting to see how that falls out. But I got Foles at ten. All right, very good. On to number nine. My number nine. I'm going to tight end here. I'm going Austin Hooper, going from Atlanta to Cleveland, and um, you know Hooper is a guy that kind of blew up in Atlanta, became maybe one of the most, maybe the most reliable target for Matt Ryan. Uh, in Atlanta due to the injuries that Julio Jones has been facing, the inconsistencies of Calvin Ridley and Mohamed Sanu just um, is just okay. I mean, he's fine. He has a couple good games here and there. But Austin Hooper has turned into one of the league's best tight ends. And so, um, you know, they make the move and, and, uh, and send him out. So um, Atlanta loses Austin Hooper, and I've got that tight end at number nine. At my number nine, I've got Emmanuel Sanders, wide receiver, going to the Saints. He spent last season in San Fran, um, and he's he's 33, I want to say, right now, and so he's getting a little bit past his, his prime in terms of being a wide receiver, but in his days of 1,000-yard of, of receiving seasons are probably well behind him, but you know, he's a good option for Drew Brees to throw to. He's going to get plenty of targets, and, and he can still make plays. Um, he might, yeah, he's, he's not, you know, the, the guy who caught – the go-ahead game-winning touchdown in the Super Bowl anymore, but he's still a, a fantastic option, I think, for Drew Brees. So Emmanuel Sanders, my number nine. I can't. Thirty-three? Is that what you said? He's thirty-three. I think so. I could wow. be wrong. No, I mean that's probably right. That just blows me away to hear that. All right, my number nine. I'm going in the offensive line. Brian Balaga from uh, the longtime Packer offensive tackle going to the Chargers signed a three-year, thirty million dollar deal Tyrod Taylor whoever ends up being the quarterback for the Chargers are going to like having that big guy out there protecting him on the edge Log is a heck of a player and I'm probably a little bit of Aaron Rodgers going wait a minute <laughs> I liked having double B protecting one of my sides out there so Balog is in there at nine for me yeah quality pick uh, my number eight and this is I, I really struggled um, with this position in terms of how I uh, how I rank them. I've got three of them in my top 10, but it was a very competitive corner market, both in terms of trades and, and more importantly, in free agency. Um, you know, I think this is a, a, a you know, a, a position of, of need for a lot of franchises, but uh, I think a lot of them are scared to, to shovel out the cash necessary to keep the elite ones. Uh, but anyway, my number eight of Byron Jones going from Dallas to Miami. He's one of the most versatile corners out there. Uh, I would probably rank him in my top ten of corners in the league. He's that good. He's that athletic, physical. Um, and Miami's a team that did a lot of selling last year, but obviously willing to buy Byron Jones at corner. So huge fan of his, and I think, uh, I think he's going to do some good things in Miami. He can play. At my number eight, I've got Philip Rivers going to the Colts. And I was thinking about maybe moving him higher up on my list, but it's pretty obvious, especially looking at last season, that his best days are behind him. Um, you know, he threw way too many INTs. I think he threw 20, uh, which would put him pretty much close to the worst in the NFL among starting QBs. But it's pretty clear to me why this move makes some sense is that, look, I mean, with all due respect to Jacoby Brissett, former Patriots legend, 
uh, I don't think he's the answer at QB. So right now you have kind of a stopgap sort of solution where you pick a guy, maybe Phillip's only there for one season, maybe two, but he'll make you more competitive than you probably would have otherwise been. Now, Jacoby didn't do the worst job in the world last year, but again, I, don't, I think people in Indy looked at Jacoby and said, eh, this might not cut it. So at the very least, you have some veteran presence there in the locker room and a guy that can still win, even though his QBR last year was 48.6. Not the prettiest, but he can still rack up the yards and, and the TDs as well. So Phillip Rivers, my number eight. Yuck. <laughs> give, give me Brissett over Rivers all day. I mean, Brissett was solid. And Indianapolis is a team that wants to run the football. Um, and so they can't afford Rivers throwing the ball to the other team. I'm you not just, a huge fan of the signing no. at all. You just despise Philip yeah, Rivers. Yeah, you're just a Chiefs fan. Chiefs diehard. Hating on I do. Hill. And I don't like – believe me, I don't like sticking up for the Colts because I don't like those guys either because <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not over the loss that they handed the Chiefs on that Sunday night um, several months ago, obviously. But that was annoying watching them run the ball every, every snap against Kansas City. But that's a team that loves to run the ball. They can't afford to turn it over. I don't know that that's going to work. We'll see. All right, my number eight, Tim had a 10. This is where I've got Darius Slay. In that trade from Detroit to Philly, Slay became a pretty wealthy guy, getting that three-year $50 million extension. So Slay for me at number eight. All right, my number seven has been mentioned. Greg, I got Brian Bulaga here at number seven. You had him at nine. That's that's Aaron Rodgers starting right tackle. Uh, It's a guy who's been in Green Bay a long time, and uh, obviously they didn't want to shell out the money for him up front on the O-line. So it'll be interesting to see how Green Bay fills some holes on an already just okay O-line, uh, but losing a huge piece there in Bulaga and, and injury issues to Bakhtiari and, and other guys up front um, you know, throughout the year, bringing some instability there has me a little nervous. But the Chargers getting Bulaga um, for me is worth a seven pick. Yeah, my number seven, Ben, you already mentioned, and Melvin Gordon going from the Chargers to the Broncos. And although you have Philip Lindsay over there, I think having a guy like Gordon can't hurt him. I mean, it's like having a, having a good stable of running backs. And it might just be the case anymore when the NFL, you have a lot less feature back style guys who, you know, touch the ball 30 times a game. I mean, that's not really the case anymore. So Melvin Gordon, he might not carry the ball the bulk of the time. That might just be Philip Lindsay, but... You know, again, it can't hurt. He still scored eight touchdowns uh, last season, appearing in just 12 games. So that's that's not a bad uh, rate there. So Melvin Gordon, a, a decent, decent pick at uh, number seven. Yeah, not a bad yeah, addition not a- until you're paying him ho- however many million dollars <laughs> yeah. to be. I didn't take to that be, uh, into account necessarily, but fair. Yeah, he's $16 million <laughs> in cap hit in two years. I'm willing to take my chances yeah. with someone it's else. It's not my money is what I'll say. <laughs> hey, if the Broncos right. want to continue to spend money on people that are going to be bad, I'm all for it. You, you, wait, yeah, the Broncos, I don't know. I'm not sure where that franchise is headed, to be honest. They should just My re-sign Joe Flacco again. Yikes. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> my number seven, I'm, I'm kind of holding my nose on this one because I'm not a huge fan, but I've got Stephon Diggs, the trade from Minnesota to Buffalo. Diggs was certainly an issue off the field last year. You know, skipping some, being late to practices, skipping some things. But when he's right, he's really good. And the Bills, to me, I, this is kind of a bigger picture, and I've got another Bill coming up here later on, but they were pretty darn good, I think, in the last three weeks. I think the Bills have gotten better. And right now, I don't know, I think they're the favorites to win that division because of what's going on in New England. And that, you haven't said that in over a decade, but I like what the Bills have done, so I put the Diggs thing at number seven. Yeah, very good. Um, all right, my number six, I'm probably going to get smashed for this, but I got Tom Brady at number six. I, I just I really can't put him any higher than that. I think he's going to get exposed big time in Tampa Bay with a bad defense, and um, I, I'm, I'm honestly not sure how this is going to work offensively, schematically with Brady. It's clear he doesn't have the arm that he used to have, and the weapons that he has in Tampa Bay are all vertical threats. Mike Evans and Chris Godwin are guys that like to stretch the field that's why it worked with Jameis because he could just chuck that pill up there and those guys would go get it. Um, they don't have an Edelman. They don't have a Gronk. They don't have you know that, that safety blanket type guy that Brady needs. And I don't know how great Ronald Jones is going to be out of the backfield catching the ball. So to me, I'm a little nervous. I, 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 I'm not a Brady fan at all, but I, I'm, just, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping this doesn't 
just completely ruin his reputation. And it's impossible because no, he's the greatest Mike, of all Tim, time. Mute is Mike. But, yeah, but enough of that. Um, you said he's like exposed, like he's going to be like revealed as a fraud after his two-decade-long career just because he was in Tampa. It's, my point is it's going to be one of those situations where it's really hard to watch him play on Sundays because it, he's a shell of himself. He doesn't have the system. He doesn't have the Edelmans. He doesn't have the running backs where he could just check it down 50 <laughs> times a game. Um, you know, he's going to have to throw the ball down the field. I don't know. I don't know how well this is going to work. And for that reason, I can't put him any higher than six. If it was 10 years ago, this is a slam dunk number one. But he's leaking oil. Oh, uh, Tom just texted me. Said, "See, uh, see in the Super Bowl." Is what he just told me. So there that's you why go. he no, won't because we were waiting for him last year and he didn't make it. <laughs> no, see, but Ben, that's why he went to Tampa. He got out, he, he he knew he needed to get away from Mahomes and the Chiefs to go to the <laughs> NFC. He's got to worry Yeesh. about the Cam Newton list Carolina Panthers now. Is what he's <laughs> right. got to worry about. It's gonna be rough. Well, uh, that brings me to my number six. Greg already mentioned him, so I'll be brief. Uh, Stephon Diggs going to Buffalo from Minnesota, and yeah, he's one of the most you know, exciting wide receivers in the league. And as Greg said, there's some temperament issues there to be politically correct, I guess, about it. But, you know, he had a, some pretty good stats last year, well over 1,100 yards receiving um, for an average of 17.9 yards a catch. Uh, that'll give someone Josh Allen a throw to at the very least. So, uh, Stephon Diggs, my number six. Yeah, that's what I said. I held my nose when I wrote that one down to pick. I mentioned how I like what Buffalo's done. My number six is off, also with the Bills, and that's Mario Addison going to Buffalo, signing a three-year, $30 million deal. I think he's one of the more underrated pass rushers in the NFL. So I like Addison's game a lot. I think he'll fit in nicely in Buffalo. Love what the Bills are doing. They might be – they may surplant the Browns as my second favorite team in the NFL. So I've got Addison at six. I like Addison, but I don't think he's going to be Shaq Lawson, who didn't make my list. Um, might as a good time to bring him up. That's a huge loss for them up front. But that is a extremely talented – defensive front that buffalo has so he's he's stepping into a good situation all right my number five i got todd Gurley here at number five going to atlanta uh again a lot of tread on the tires injury concerns for me um the falcons have been a, a mystery to me for a few years they've just lost it i mean i don't know what i the the second half of that super bowl um has just rocked that franchise and they just can't seem to get it back you know matt ryan and Devonte freeman Marcus Trufant or Desmond Trufant who is cut Freeman they cut Julio's I mean he's still elite but he's not getting any younger Matt Ryan has had a pretty eh couple of years they lose Hooper as I mentioned uh, and Gurley's injury concerns really have me worried but you know, he's still an elite running back I think he's a touchdown machine and you know him returning home maybe gives him the juice he needs to return to where he was two years ago. Well, Ben took the words right out of my mouth. I've uh, got Todd Gurley as well going to the Falcons. And I don't know what it was if things just went south for him in terms of the locker room situation in, in L.A. But, I mean, he was a guy that, you know, lit the world on fire two years ago. And even back in the, the Super Bowl, um, he, he really seemed kind of underutilized. You always kind of were, were thinking that they're, they're leaning a lot more on golf than they were on a guy like Todd Gurley. So that, that's kind of interesting to me. You, you think that you have a guy like Todd Gurley, you just give him the ball and, and, and let him run. But – I guess we'll see if, if Atlanta uses them better. This is either like a Melvin Gordon-style pickup where you scratch your head or you think, man, maybe he does something. So that's that's my number five, Todd Gurley. Okay. My five has been mentioned. I'm a little higher on the Phillip Rivers move to Indy than Ben. <sighs> I'll uh, let it play out and see how it goes. I think Rivers is probably underrated, but because of his temperament and the way he handles himself on the field, it kind of downplays him. So I've got Rivers at five. I've got Phillip as my sixth honorable mention. Like, he is 16 <laughs> on my list. Um, and, I, and I didn't even like writing his name down. So, uh, all right, we're moving on. All right, my number four has been mentioned uh, by both of you guys. And, and I'm a little surprised, Tim, you had him at 10. Greg, you had him at 8. I got Darius Slay here. And honestly, he, the, he would have been higher had, had this happened a year ago. I've really soured on him. Uh, and, again, I don't know the particulars of the situation in Detroit, but – he seemed like a little pouty baby on Twitter the last the last <laughs> year, um, not getting paid and not getting paid what he thought he d deserved. And he is look, he is one of the top corners in the league. There's no doubt. But there's also a reason why it took this long for him to get signed or traded away from Detroit either, is because that's a pretty toxic guy. That that you know, again, when it comes to time to uh, contracts and and signing and locker room guy, I don't know that that's a guy that you want around, but. Uh, there's no doubting his his ability on the field. So I've got Darius Slay here at number four going to Philly. Uh, my number four, Tampa Tom, Tom Terrific, the GOAT, 
uh, just a few names for Tom Brady heading to Tampa. Look, is Tom probably eligible to be a member of AARP? Probably at this point. But hey, he's going to immediately make Tampa a lot more competitive despite what the naysayers, Cough Ben, say. I mean, you got a guy like Mike Evans. And as much as I love Julian Edelman, if that's your only option at wide receiver, it's going to be rough. Yes, Tom, it it's, looks a little bit rough when he tries to throw the ball downfield. He's not going to be heaving it 20 yards every every throw. But So how is Mike Evans going to be effective, Tim? <laughs> screen passes. Um, I don't know. I mean, look, it, it's it it'll be interesting to see. But you're telling me that Jameis Winston is a – obviously better choice than Tom Brady right now at quarterback yes I'm not so sure that yes I am I mean I, I am I am 100% saying that I, I, I would rather have Jameis Winston <laughs> and his 31 interceptions than Tom Brady there's no doubt about it I I can't wait to now I'm a bit now I'm a Bucks fan you, you heard it now here first folks Tom is Tim, ride Tim what is way. his touchdown inter- interception ratio going to be next year look it's going to be I want you like to give me a prediction one, 99 touchdowns to one <laughs> I, I want I want you to give me a realistic expectation for his touchdown to interception ratio last year, and I want to document this Send you for, boys your for future here. reference. I really, I, feel, I really, I'm curious to know what you think it's going to be. I think he's going to throw for 20 TDs, uh, two picks. That's it. Only two ints. I'm going to say I'm going to say 16 touchdowns to 21 interceptions. <laughs> he is negative in the touchdown to pick ratio next year. No. I'm calling it. All right, I'll save this and uh, I'll rub it in. Do it. All right, my four's been mentioned. Here's where I've got Todd Gurley. I think he'll I think he'll fit in nicely in Atlanta. I think he's still got a lot of tread on that tire. So, my four, Gurley. Gurley's knee begs to differ with with that. Uh, my three has been mentioned by both of you guys. Again, I'm I'm a little higher on Diggs, and look, I I completely understand. Uh, the toxic nature that he brings. I'm, I'm interested to see how he fits in Buffalo. So digs for me, number three. Um, getting out of uh, the Thielen shadow a little bit and going to Buffalo could be a good thing. Uh, my number three, Nick Foles going to Chicago from Jacksonville. Mm. It's a pretty exciting move. And even though the Eagles, they're committed to Carson Wentz, I always thought the guy they should have kept on was Nick Foles. But there we go, my number three. Oh, I had him clear number 10. Bennett, we haven't heard it from Ben. Maybe didn't make his list. He did not make my list. My three, here's TB. I got Tom Brady at three, so I probably have him the highest of all of all three of us. You chose him higher than Tim. That's an upset. Uh, <laughs> all right, uh, on to number two. My number two, this is uh, the highest-ranked corner I have. Um, in my opinion, the best corner that there was out there. I've got Chris Harris uh, going from one AFC West team to the next, going from Denver to Los Angeles. This was a guy I was kind of hoping the Chiefs would target, even though there's no way they would have been able to afford him. got no cap space. I know. That's why I said they wouldn't have been able to afford him. But he is a really, really good player. My number two, I've got Teddy Bridgewater heading to Carolina. He was undefeated as a backup last season at New Orleans, and I uh, don't think he's going to go undefeated this season. But, hey, yeah, you never know. Teddy Bridgewater, uh, a decent, decent pickup by Carolina. I think people forget with him that he really was off to a pretty good start in Minnesota, and then he got hurt. Right. And then everybody kind of said, oh, he's hurt he's damaged goods now, and everybody's kind of put him on the back burner. I think he really showed nicely in New Orleans last year. Okay, my number two, I'm going back to Chicago. I had Foles with Chicago at 10. I've got Robert Quinn here, the outside backer. Monster deal, five years, $70 million. Add him to that Bears defense, which is already pretty nasty. I think the I think the the boys in Chicago are going to wa- have some fun watching football this fall. Yeah, they made a nice swap. Leonard Floyd, uh, kind of I don't want to say yeah. a bust, but he he didn't really perform that well. And then obviously getting Quinn uh, too. All right, number one, D Hop Nuke. I mean, I, this is just a dude that is an alien status, and the the, the trade is an awful one. If I'm a Texan fan, I'm I don't know that I'm getting out of bed, even though I don't have a reason to. <laughs> Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, number one to me, switching to, to Arizona. and Boys, watch out. Arizona's putting an army together, yeah. and it's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, this will probably be a clean sweep. My number one, DeAndre Hopkins, a head-scratcher of a trade on Houston's part, but that's Arizona's game. Actually, I'm, I'm, I'm different. I've got Teddy Bridgewater. I've got him signing with Carolina. Uh, I, think there's, I think there's a lot of upside to him. I think Carolina – with Matt Rule now as their head coach, the former Baylor Bear head coach, I think there's some good things ahead for Carolina, so I've got Bridgewater at one for me. All right. There we go. Well done. Welcome on to our Woodhouse Auto Family hotline. C.J. Red, Nebraska wrestler, who unfortunately had their season end abruptly due to the 
situation we're all dealing with right now. And CJ, first of all, thanks for joining us. How are you holding up, man, with the with the end of the season, the way that it happened, and obviously trying to stay healthy and and get through this crazy time. How are you holding up? Um, I'm, I'd say I'm holding up pretty good. I mean, um, just kicking it with the fam right now. It's good to see them. I haven't seen them in a minute. Um, and just <laughs> trying to stay clean, healthy as possible. No doubt, man. Well, let's let's rewind uh, a couple of weeks. You know, this we we had your your coach Mark Manning on uh, last week, kind of talking about the attitude of the team, and and I know you guys as a squad were wrestling really confidently. Um, let, let's back up to what what the preparation was like before the Big Ten tournament, and kind of what the attitude, both personally, you had and and the team had entering that that meet, because uh, obviously the the performance was at a high level. Yeah, um, I'd say honestly, I just felt like everybody. It was perfect time because everybody just got that that belief in themselves. Everybody just had a, a different type of belief in themselves that we didn't have at the beginning of the season, and it was great this season. I felt like just our belief just kept going up, going up, going up the whole time. And I thought, especially if we we would have had nationals. I definitely thought we were going to bring that title home. When you we were just went pe- through, peaking at the right time. Yeah, there's no no doubt. When you're going through the regular season and the conference schedule, and and you know wrestling these Big Ten schools day in and day out what what did that do for just you you mentioned the confidence but the preparation and just the uh the the knowing of what level you're going to need to compete you know both at 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 the at the league meet in the big 10 and the national meet as well right i mean it's just knowing that it's going to be a dog fight out there but the thing is like you got to focus on not i mean focus on the match while the match is going on but the thing is you want to just be the bigger dog during the match and you want to think about the outcome after and how you're going to feel after. Like we put in all this training just for that outcome feeling. When you see some positive outcomes, that that's when the confidence comes in. What's it like to see not only the personal success, but you know, when you're done wrestling to see the success of your team to follow and then what type of attitude that you can carry with you, um, you know, that type of mentality moving forward. I mean, I look at it as, look at it as like it all being great, and I mean, especially seeing my teammates get the job done, it makes me want to get the job done too because I, nobody wants to be left behind not getting the job done. So it's like one guy does it, then the next guy does it, then the next guy does it. It's just like a chain reaction. You're going through the Big Ten meet. You're starting to taste a lot of success as a team. You finish third. You have a lot of success as a team you finish second what's the feeling when that thing's wrapped up and you know you guys have all your work put in and uh you know you that thing comes to a to a head and you've got 10 wrestlers now eligible for nationals i mean that was a great feeling just knowing that nobody was going to be left behind we were bringing our whole team with us i mean we were definitely expecting to do some damage the experience that you've gained uh, you know over the years you know, obviously being a three-time, you know, NCAA championship qualifier, where was your preparation at mentally, CJ, knowing that you had already been there twice before and what could potentially have been different this year? Um, I'd say what could have been different is my mindset at the beginning, beginning of the season and uh, even my mindset going into the tournament. I mean, I had some doubts, but I feel like I let those doubts get in the way of me winning my semifinal match. But – um. Oh, definitely going into the national tournament. I mean, my focus was that I'm winning this. I mean, I, I I seen my draw. I was content with my draw, and I knew who I had to be. I knew how I had to wrestle, and I was prepared to go out there and fight. And uh, I couldn't see myself leaving Minnesota Stadium without that title. Unfortunately, this crazy time started happening, and things started getting canceled. When was it even first on your radar? CJ, that this thing may not happen. This thing might not take place. Even though, like, the rumors were going around before and I had seen a couple things get canceled, my thing was, like, stay positive. This thing is going to happen. And just keep doing what you're doing. Stay prepared because you never know. We might be in there with no fans in there but just the family. But at the end of the day, it's still a national title. 
Then, of course, the other part of this is your head coach. What is the, What was Coach Manning like during this time and his message to you, both personally and as a team, to, to try and stay focused, but at the same time, you know, have a grasp of reality of, of what could happen? Uh, I mean, he told us, uh, like, kind of stay away from the social media thing uh, before Big Tens. So I wasn't really – I wasn't really looking at the wrestling updates or anything that was really coming out like that. Um, but, like, when it did come out, I mean, he just called us in and he was like, well, guys, uh, here's what it is. I mean, our season's over. And, I mean, he was just like, we're, we're going to have to do it again next year. I mean, like, at the end of the day, that's what it is. And, I mean, now my focus is on next year and what I'm going to do and how I'm going to make some changes of – not going out there and having so many losses versus just going out there, having fun, being free, and taking care of business. How did you as a team, and, and maybe even personally too, handle that the next 24, 48 hours? Because, you know, for me, you know, covering the baseball team and, and, and calling their games on the radio, it, it took a little bit of time to process, to even make it feel real. Did you have any, any sense of that as well? And, and how did you kind of cope with the fact that you, you had that opportunity taken from you? Um, only way I really cope with it was just, I mean, when they told us our season was over, I was just like, well, there's no need to really hang my head. I mean, I think I had a decent season. wasn't what I wanted, but I mean, like, it's over now. So I'm going to treat it like, like it's over. So I'm going out to eat, going out to eat with the past, talk a little bit. And then, I mean, after that. It's chill. I mean, it's back to school. We were still in school at the time, so I mean, it was just handled all the schoolwork. Yeah. Well, what's next for you now, man? I know that answer is hard. The question's hard to answer because we don't really know what's going to happen. But you know, what's your plan, kind of, for the short term of, of working out and staying in touch with Coach Manning, and obviously, um, you know, doing what you need to do to 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 stay in shape, but also take care of yourself. Oh yeah. Um, I actually flew back home to uh, be with my family with them right now. And I've been, I mean, ever since I got off the plane, my dad hasn't, I haven't really had no days off. <laughs> I've been in that room every day uh, other than Friday, Saturday, Sunday. But Monday through Thursday, I'm in there meeting up on little kids. <laughs> do what you got to <laughs> do, man. Uh, CJ, thanks so much for hopping on with us. I know this is just a, a really confusing and, and probably frustrating time for you as a team and, and individually, but we appreciate you coming on and kind of shedding some light on what your season was like and having to go through that. We wish you the best of luck. Keep yourself healthy. We look forward to seeing you on the mats again real soon. Thanks a lot, man. Thank you. Sports Alley rolling right along here on a Tuesday night. Greg Sharp, Ben McLaughlin with you. March 24th, Ben. That's what today's date is. Fifteen years ago on this night, the show The Office debuted. You are a huge fan. I am a I'm a large a large fan indeed. Um, I might just were celebrate you, by watching some of it here when, were we, you a, when the show's over. Were you a fan of it when it was on live, or did you become a fan of it in syndication and on Netflix and that type of thing? Um, no, I definitely watched it when it was a thing. It was appointment TV for me. Um, it was really the last show that I'm like, okay, this week, this, this week, this time I'm watching it. Like it was appointment TV for me and it really didn't get that severe until like season two, I would say to where I watched every, every episode as it came out. Um, but then, you know, I've, as soon as they all came out on DVDs, I own all the seasons on DVD and then, uh, obviously the accessibility of Netflix makes it, makes it even better. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, if if the rumor ever goes through that where it's pulled off Netflix, I still have all of the hard copies on DVD for every episode. Now, I'm trying to remember back, was Scrubs a show either before or right after it? Like the half hour before, the half hour after? I, th- I kind of think they were maybe comboed up some way. Well, then Friday Night Lights was also happening at the same time as The Office was too. So I, I always remember those shows like promoting each other but, during the commercial breaks. Yeah, but I, I don't remember... remember. I remember Friday I didn't Night watch Lights Scrubs, was on so. Friday. Friday Night Lights aired on Friday, where I think The mm-hmm. Office was yeah. maybe a Wednesday or a Thursday show. I think it was Thursday. I'm pretty sure it was Thursday. Okay. Well, I, I kind of think Scrubs, because Scrubs had a big following, too. Yeah. I never watched it. I think it was a show either right before or right after The Office. I'm, I'm going to do some research and do on it. But I, I was going through my show prep today, and I saw that little note come across 
a couple of the sheets today and said, oh, Ben will like hearing about The Office debuted on this date in 2005. Wow, 15 years ago. So that should crazy. Yeah. yeah, crazy to think about. Um, news out of Major League Baseball today. Thor, Noah Syndergaard, out for the year with Tommy John surgery. Does that affect any of your fantasy baseball teams? Not yet. Um, I, I, did, I did really want to draft him, you know, on one of my teams. But the big draft obviously has been postponed because, you know, of the situation, which is really a bummer. So it does change my draft strategy a little bit because he wasn't as highly ranked on a lot of the uh, projections as, as he was in years past. He, the, the thing with Thor is he had a hard time getting through the sixth inning. I mean, mm-hmm. like a lot of his starts, he'd rack up the pitches and – he was still very good, obviously, but yeah, the, the the strike percentage was way down with him last year. Yeah, the Mets announced that today. Obviously, baseball in the holding pattern. Hoping to get started at some point in time later on in the spring. Coming up tomorrow night, delighted to welcome on board President T- Ted Carter, University of Nebraska president, will join us and give us the latest on some of the decisions that have been made that have impacted UNL, UNO, UNK, UNMC, and some of, some of the thoughts he has about the situation that we're currently in. So looking forward to having him. Jeremiah Searles will join us. We'll have our first Husker huddle with Jeremiah Searles. Going to sit down with his former teammate and now a member of the Houston Texans, Brent Qualley. So we'll have that conversation for you tomorrow night as well. Thanks to Ben and to Tim and all of you for being a part of this one tonight. Back again tomorrow with a full show and then our repeat hour of Hour 1 coming up next.